You're listening to Cultivate Curiosity, a podcast that inspires the next generation to stay curious. Cultivate Curiosity is brought to you by the Emerald Coast Science Center, a nonprofit interactive science museum and STEAM educational facility in Fort Long Beach, Florida. This podcast is perfect for anyone curious about the world we live in because you never know what we'll talk about next. Hello, my name is Harley and I am an educator and the community affairs coordinator here at the Emerald Coast Science Center. And hi, my name is JC, and I'm the social media coordinator here at the Science Center. And today, we're delving into the fascinating realm of symbiotic relationships, the partnerships and interactions between different species that play crucial roles in shaping ecosystems. In these types of relationships, two species can be negatively, positively, or neutrally impacted by one another. There are four different types of symbiotic relationships, known as commensalism, mutualism, parasitism, and competition. The first one we're going to start off with is mutualism. So mutualism is a partnership where both species benefit. An iconic example is the relationship between flowering plants and their pollinators. Bees, butterflies, and hummingbirds, for instance, collect nectar from flowers while inadvertently transferring pollen, aiding in the plant's reproduction. The pollinators get food and the plants get their pollen to spread for reproduction, a beautiful example of mutual dependence. Now, besides the classic example of pollination, another mutualistic relationship is between oxpeckers and large herbivores like rhinos and buffaloes. Oxpeckers feed on ticks and parasites infesting the skin of these animals, providing a cleaning service in exchange for a meal. It is a mutualistic relationship that benefits both parties involved. A mutualistic relationship that you benefit from is between humans and gut bacteria. The human gut is a perfect environment for these bacteria to grow. In return, the bacteria protect humans against diseases and E. coli, which generates vitamins B12 and K, which is potassium. Now, more on the marine side, if you have ever watched Finding Nemo, you know that the sea anemone and the clownfish are perfect for each other. Out of the vast array of over a thousand anemone species inhabiting the ocean, a mere 10 species share their habitat with the 26 species of tropical clownfish. Among these, only specific pairs of anemone and clownfish demonstrate compatibility. These pairs form an obligatory symbiotic relationship indicating a high level of mutual dependence for survival. This symbiosis is established through various mechanisms such as mutual protection against predators, nutrient exchange, and the clownfish's ability to tolerate the stinging cells, which are the nematocysts, of the anemone. So very, very cool. Also, one of my favorite Disney movies. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So next we have commensalism, a relationship where one species benefits while the other is unaffected. An excellent example is the relationship between the kettle, egret, and large herbivores like buffalo or cattle. These birds perch on the backs of these animals, feeding on insects stirred up as the herbivores move through the grass. The egret gets a free meal, and the buffalo or cattle get rid of bothersome pests, a win-win situation. And just a note, this example of commensalism is different from the previously mentioned example of mutualism because they are just eating bugs that are annoying to their species in the relationship. So the egret is just eating annoying bugs. While in the mutualism example, they're eating parasites that are harmful to the other species in the relationship. Yes. Another fascinating example of commensalism is the relationship between the remora fish and larger marine animals like sharks. The remora attaches itself to the shark, gaining free transportation and scavenging bits of food from the shark's meals, while the shark is largely unaffected by the hitchhiker. 
So next one we have, I guess it's one of my favorites. <laughs> Not really. I just think it's super fascinating. That's parasitism. Um, so this is a relationship where one species benefits at the expense of the other. Parasitism takes many forms from endoparasites that live within the host's body to ectoparasites and parasitic castrators that live on its surface and micro predators like mosquitoes that visit intermittently. I know. So bad in this area too. <laughs> so bad. So parasitism is an extremely successful mode of life. About 40% of all animal species are parasites. Consider this relationship between the tick and its host, like a deer or a dog. We're most familiar with that one. The tick feeds on the host's blood, gaining sustenance, while the host may suffer health issues. Parasites play a role in regulating populations, but their impact can be detrimental if not kept in check. Another example of parasitism is the relationship between the mistletoe plant and its host tree. Mistletoe taps into the host's vascular system, extracting nutrients and water, often weakening the host, especially in cases of severe infestation. Who knew a classic holiday plant was a parasite? I didn't know that. When I was looking this up, I was like, what? Mistletoe? Of all the things. I know. Finally, not wanting to scare too many people away, but in Florida, there are a few parasites. One in particular is known as the rat lungworm. The University of Florida researchers first mentioned it back in 2017. At least that was the first mention that I was aware of. And the rat lungworm is a parasitic nematode, so like a worm-ish, that can cause meningitis in humans and animals. And this has been determined in five counties. Rats and snails in Alachua County, Leon, St. John's, Orange, and Hillsborough counties have tested positive for the parasite, according to a study in the PLOS-1 by researchers in the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. So this was also done with the University of Florida's Museum of Natural History. So lots of smart researcher people determined this. But the most interesting part of all of this is that in 2022, UF vet med researchers found that it had picked a new host, and that is the Cuban tree frog. The cool thing about this, I guess, is that this is the first time in the state of Florida that a frog or toad or amphibian has been identified as a host for a parasite. Aren't they invasive too? They are. The Cuban tree frog. Yes. Yeah. So I was about to say. <laughs> parasitism, but parasitism in a beneficial way. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they'll be hopefully declining in population now. Exactly. And then lastly, let's explore competition, a relationship where both species are negatively affected as they vie for the same resources. An example of competition in nature is the struggle for food and territory among predators. Take lions and hyenas, for instance. Both species compete for prey and their interactions can be intense, which this reminds me of the Lion King talking about this example. This is a Disney podcast episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This competition plays a crucial role role in shaping their behavior, hunting strategies, and even social structures. Now, let's consider plants competing for sunlight, water, and nutrients in a dense forest. The towering trees create a canopy, shading the forest floor. Underneath, smaller plants must compete for limited sunlight that filters through. This competition drives adaptations, ensuring the survival of the fittest in the quest for resources. An underwater example of competition is seen between corals and sponges. Sponges live in corals, but if sponges compete against corals for food and wind, the corals die. If the corals die, the sponges no longer have a place to live. In this way, both organisms lose. Absolutely. 
So now that we've done a little overview of what each of those relationships are, let's talk about their ecological roles because that's very important to consider. So for mutualism, mutualistic interactions contribute to ecosystem stability by enhancing resource availability and promoting biodiversity. For instance, mycorrhizal fungi from mutualistic relationships with plants aiding in nutrient uptake and overall plant health, things we love. And for commensalism, while less direct, also plays a part in ecosystem dynamics. The relationship between barnacles and whales is a good example. Barnacles attach themselves to whale skin, gaining a mobile substrate, and the whales are largely unaffected. This relationship might not be as obvious, but it highlights the interconnectedness of species in maintaining balance. And parasitism, despite its negative connotations, also has ecological significance. Parasites help control the population of their hosts, preventing overpopulation that could strain available resources. In this way, they contribute to the balance of ecosystem. And just like we mentioned before, if that host that is already invasive to that specific environment and it is helping that overpopulation of it, then it's also another ecological benefit. Mm -hmm. And lastly, competition. Just like the other types, competition is an integral part of ecosystem dynamics. It influences population sizes, distribution patterns, and even the evolution of species over time. While it may seem harsh, competition is a driving force that contributes to the resilience and adaptability of ecosystems. Well, there you have it. A glimpse into the intricate world of commensalism, mutualism, parasitism, and competition. These symbiotic relationships are not just fascinating to study, but they are essential components of the delicate balance that sustains our ecosystems. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode in three weeks. Three weeks. January has an extra week (laughs) and it's going to come out on Valentine's Day. So it will be all about the science and history behind Valentine's Day. So we will see you guys then. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cultivate Curiosity. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at socialmedia at ecscience.org. Tune in for our next episode in two weeks.